Uh, this morning, we continue on uh, in our series in the church. Uh, we're on the penultimate week, uh, which is the second last, if you're not sure. Uh, we spent time over the course of a month and a half uh, just looking at different aspects of what the church is, uh, how it is we should be the church. And in November, we've looked so far at the leadership of the church, the gifts of the church. This morning, we're on the battle of the church. Um, we're going to do things a little differently today. Um, we have a number of, of key texts that we're going to look at together. Um, and these texts are basically based on three questions that we're going to ask and try and answer over the course of our morning together. So uh, the questions will be connected to the, the texts. And all of these questions revolve around this idea, this reality of the battle of the church. Uh, we, we face a battle every single day. Um, so obviously I was preparing for this message uh, throughout the week. Uh, yesterday, must have been about six, seven o'clock, just got a really weird phone call, um, which kind of took my focus off of things. Um, alongside that, uh, the alarm at Ridgeway went off at 11 o'clock. So I ended up going up there about quarter past 11. Got a fright in my life when I saw Duncan walking towards me as well. Um, PM. Yeah, so that was, that was at night. So these two things have just happened. And then James was up throughout the night as well. So again, that just kind of, that sort of disturbed my sleep pattern. But it makes total sense why all these things have happened. Because we're thinking about a subject that's very important. Uh, we're looking at ways in which we can overcome the devil's attacks. So if the devil is going to do what he does, then he's going to try and discourage and, and distract and just cause disruption of various kinds. So... I'm actually really encouraged by all of that because I know that we're on the right track. Satan in some way is threatened by this. And uh, by God's grace, we have a victory. We've just been singing that so far. We have a victory in Christ and we can experience his power in our lives. And we can know what it means to know Christ in a deeper way through the, the various blessings, challenges, trials, difficulties that we face. Um, so the battle of the church is our title. Uh, let me just share from a, a bit of experience, and it's potentially tied in with what I've just said, maybe you can relate to some or all of us this morning. Uh, if you are a Christian this morning, uh, if you've been, been a Christian long enough, then you will know that there are moments in your life, perhaps daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, where you have little or no desire to pray or to read your Bible. Uh, you'll recognize also the challenge of understanding what it is you see and read in Scripture and then trying to apply that uh, to your life uh, day to day. In ordinary living, we know that challenge. It is difficult sometimes to connect with God's Word, to be men and women in prayer, and then to apply all of that to the ordinary circumstances of our lives. And if you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know the difficulty, and sometimes it can feel like a hurdle, uh, of being in regular, consistent fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, so much so that not only do we find ourselves saying to varying degrees, I don't want to go, uh, we can also find ourselves saying, as we arrive, I don't want to be here. Uh, that's something that we can experience from time to time. And if you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know that feeling of being more captivated and excited by something other than Christ. I think we can all identify with that. We, we find ourselves living 
internally and externally for something in our hearts that's outside of God, that's outside of his glory, that's outside of his kingdom. And if you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know that whether intentionally or unintentionally, people will offend you. Uh, You will offend people. That's part of normal life. And with that offense can come misunderstanding and a struggle to forgive on both sides. If you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know the reality of illness and sickness. That can be mental, emotional, physical, even spiritual. Uh, You live this life, and with the body you have and the brokenness you live in, you can see very clearly this is not God's long-term eternal plan for any one of us. And if you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know the challenge at times of breaking free from sin, whatever that sin might be. Sometimes that can be habitual sin. Sometimes that can be hidden sin. Sometimes that's obvious sin. We all know from time to time the struggle of finding freedom from these regular patterns of sin. If you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know the challenge of trusting God in the midst of what can feel like seemingly impossible situations. So we have these God or bust scenarios in our life. Every single one of us has these. And we find it difficult to have faith that God is going to see us through in whatever it is that we face. If you've been a Christian long enough, then you'll know how difficult it is at times to share your faith. The fear of being rejected. The fear of being misunderstood as you're trying to connect the truth of the gospel with that person who doesn't know Christ. The fear of of saying the wrong thing. Um, Often we know where our hearts truly are when we see who we are in the midst of that moment of us contemplating sharing the gospel with someone. Uh, When we speak about the battle of church, it's important that this this is all a window. All that I've just shared there, all of that is a window into what this battle looks like day after day. Uh, This is a varied list of different challenges that we all face as individuals, but we all face collectively as a church. And in the midst of this battle, we have a choice to either trust in God or trust in ourselves to overcome whatever it is that we face. Uh, I want to encourage us this morning that, yes, even though the battle that we face, it's not an easy battle. Okay, we can all put our hands up and recognize that today. It is not an easy battle. And yes, even though it is a battle that none of us in and of ourselves are able to fight by ourselves. So Mark versus Satan, there's only going to be one winner. But Mark in Christ versus Satan, Mark's going to win. Because Mark is in Christ and Christ is in Mark. And that's true for all of us. The battle is one that we can have 100% confidence in winning because of Christ because we are hidden in Jesus, and because we stand on his authority. We have his Holy Spirit. We can overcome every single fiery dart of the evil one. So this morning, we need to have a clear understanding of every detail around this battle. Um, For us to find victory in the battle, we need to understand what the battle is all about, uh, what it looks like, how it is we can respond in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's so important we have an accurate biblical understanding of this battle. So the first question I need to ask of myself and for each one of us this morning is this. Do we know our battle? Do we know our battle? And if you do not know the battle you're in, 
then you will not know who you're fighting and you will not know how to fight and ultimately as a result of all of that you will not know how to win um, and how to win in the sense of a present day reality and experience of victory uh, because God doesn't just want us to experience his victory when we get to the end of our lives he wants us to experience his victory in the midst of the trials and the difficulties and the hardships we can still find victory even though these things are present in our lives so much so that God and Christ will rule and reign in our circumstances and our circumstances won't rule and reign in our hearts and minds. So our decisions are made in a way that honours God, that glorifies God, that is pleasing to him and not something else. So let me ask you again this morning, do we know our battle? Do we know our battle? Uh, and to answer this, we need to look at our first, our first passage this morning. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6 and in verse 12, he says, for our struggle. Now, other translations will say uh, wrestle uh, or fight or even battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So it's clear from Paul uh, with regards to what our fight is, what fight we have day to day, the fight that's on our hands, the one that's with us every single day, both as individuals and as a church, it's not primarily a physical one. Let me say that again. The fight that you and I have day after day is not primarily a physical one. The fight, the wrestle, the struggle that every single one of us has every single day is a spiritual one. Now, you may have heard before, maybe even from this church, the idea of a battle we face as a battle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's something we've, we've mentioned in our spiritual warfare series. It's something we talk about from time to time. This is a biblical idea. Each of these ideas are found throughout Scripture. All three are found together in James 3.15. James speaks of wisdom not from God as earthly, unspiritual, demonic, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And in the Christian tradition, as we try and understand the root of evil, and where sin and brokenness come from, we often revert back to these three sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil. But what we often forget is that the reason why our world is so sinfully motivated and governed, and the reason why we have a sinful nature in the first place, the reason why we act sinfully every single day, is because of the plan, purpose, and activity of the evil one. And we know this to be true because we see where this battle began back in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, Satan appears as a serpent in God's good and perfect creation and he plants a seed of doubt in the heart of Eve. He says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? So Satan plants a seed of doubt and he's basically undermining the word of God. And what follows is the first ever act of sin. It was Satan who tempted, it was Adam and Eve who sinned. And our world is what it is today, broken, lost, searching for meaning outside of God. And our flesh is what it is today, always pursuing something contrary to God and his plan for our lives. All because back in Genesis chapter 3, Satan tempted, Adam sinned, and we live in the shadow of that moment every day. Now I mention all of that this morning to say yes, we do want to recognize the three areas in which we face this battle, the world, the, world, the flesh, and the devil. 
But alongside this, we also need to understand that it was the work of the devil that resulted in the world and the flesh being what they are today. Satan started this, and Satan is continuing to work in our world. And at times, he works in our flesh so that we do not live according to God's plan. Now, this morning, as we recognize what Paul says here in in Ephesians 6.12, this does not mean that you do not have personal responsibility over your sin. Let me just be very clear about that. Um, None of us can sit here this morning and say, the devil made me do it. We all made a choice when we sin. We all make a choice when we sin to walk down his path. Instead, we need to recognize this morning that if we are in Christ, then the spirit of the living God lives inside every single one of us. And with God's spirit, we all have the power to say either yes to Jesus or no to Christ and instead say yes to the devil and his plan. One of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. So we all have this. We have God's spirit inside us. We all have the power to say no to sin. God is at work within us. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome. So this is our battle, therefore. It's, it's a battle against the work of the evil one in our world. It's a battle against the work of the evil one in our flesh and through our circumstances. And take note of this this morning, especially if you love Jesus. You don't come to Christ and then Satan leaves you alone. Uh, now you're on the front line. If you come to Christ, you're standing on the front line. You become a target. Satan is going to focus on you. He's going to leave alone unbelievers. He's not concerned about them. He's not threatened by them. But he is concerned about you and about what you might do to impinge upon his kingdom and his plan and purpose. So if you are in Christ and you are living for Christ, you will become a target. Make no mistake about it. Uh, For years and years, and I don't want to sound uh, big-headed on behalf of all of us this morning, but the area of Denison for years uh, did not have a gospel-centered, Christ-centered, word-centered, spirit-fueled church. Uh, Satan and his demons therefore hate that we exist here in this area. And Satan and his demons hate that we are encroaching on his territory as we seek to live out the great command and the great commission. He hates it. He hates the fact that we're here, worshipping, connecting throughout the week, encouraging one another. He despises what we're doing. And he will continue to do that as we make deeper inroads in Ridray and in other places in East End of Glasgow. We have a very real enemy. And, And I say that not to scare us. None of us should be scared by Satan. But we do have a very real enemy. He is in our midst. uh, And I'm not convinced that he is on many of our radars. I think we can forget about him and not be aware of him. Not that we focus on Satan. We focus on Christ. And when Satan turns up, we tell him to beat it. Satan and his demons are doing everything they possibly can to prevent us from fulfilling God's call upon our lives. And the question I want to ask this morning is, how is he doing that? How does, how does Satan operate in our own lives, individually, but also as a church? Uh, has he been, is he being, will he be effective? Will Satan be effective as we seek to be an accurate picture of a biblical church in a lost and broken world? So as we pursue Christ, 
Will Satan be effective in preventing us from pursuing Christ? It's a question I want to ask. Uh, my invitation to you this morning is to wake up and smell the spiritual coffee. Uh, there's no doubt we can identify as a church with what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. And I think, dear, it's up on the screen. Uh, a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. And that's really just a, a picture of Denison Baptist Church. We have this wide door for effective ministry, and yet from time to time we do experience opposition, struggle, challenge. We experience a battle, and it takes many shapes and forms. So it leads us on to our next question. Do we know the battle, number one? Number two, do we know our enemy? Do we know our enemy? And not do we know our enemy with regards to who he is, because we've just covered that. Our enemy is Satan. Instead, do we know our enemy with regards to what it is that he does? How it is that he operates? The ways that he attacks, both individually and collectively? How does Satan work? The Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11, and it's really my prayer for every single one of us. Paul says, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. It would be amazing for all of us to be able to identify with us. That we can all say, I am not, we are not ignorant of the ways in which Satan is trying to attack Denison Baptist Church. So are we, are we ignorant of his schemes or do we have an idea of how it is that he attacks us? Well, Satan's starting point is to operate in the darkness. In fact, Paul describes him as the power of darkness in Ephesians 6.12. The word occult literally means hidden out of sight. So whatever Satan's going to do, he's not going to turn up physically on a, a Sunday morning. He's going to do it in secret. His aim is to operate in such a way that you do not believe that this is the work of the devil. It's something else. That's how he operates. He does it hidden. He's a coward. He wants to work in a way that you do not think that it's Satan, but at the same time, you have that negative effect upon your life. You're no longer pursuing Christ faithfully and fruitfully because of what's happening. But you do not attribute it to Satan. You attribute, you attribute it to something else. The most famous quote from the film, The Usual Suspects, is this. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. There's so much truth in that. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, he says something similar about how it is that Satan and his demons operate in this world and within our lives. And if you don't know the premise of a book, it's basically a, a correspondence between a senior demon and a junior demon called Wormwood. And the senior demon is, is mentioning to Wormwood on various strategies for keeping people separate from Christ so that people would remain in bondage to sin and brokenness. And so he says this to Wormwood, he says, I do not think you'll have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark. And by patient, he means you and I. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures and the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. And I would say that's very close to how it is that we can view Satan. Um, and don't misunderstand me, our focus 
should not be on the devil, as I've said. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 12, we fix our eyes on Jesus. We pursue him. He is the one we worship. But we have to be aware of his schemes. We are not ignorant of his schemes. So let me ask you this. How often do you connect the varied struggles that you have in your life, including the struggles I mentioned earlier in this message, with a recognition that this is most likely to a greater or a lesser degree a concerted attack from the demonic? How often do we connect these things with the demonic? Just last month, Trevor Wax of the Gospel Coalition wrote an article called Whatever Happened to Satan? It's quite an interesting title. And he says this in his article. He says, in many circles, it's rare to hear a word about the devil or demons or powers and principalities that wage war against God and his people. Satan has gone missing. Yes, he shows up in charismatic or Pentecostal churches, but in evangelical de denominations whose ranks are increasingly affluent and educated, we squirm when we encounter what Jesus and the apostles say about the accuser. I know there are pastors who want to avoid the exaggerations prevalent in other faith traditions where demons peek out behind every problem, where Satan's influence gets overstated in ways that warp the biblical witness. Better to go the way of understatement, right? The only obstacle to this approach is the Bible. Well, not just the Bible, but also church history. And well, our brothers and sisters in the global south. So basically the Bible... And all believers before us and most believers around us. So when it came to dealing with the demonic and the work of the devil, understatement was not what Jesus did. He knew that his battle was a battle against the demonic. Um, and it was not what any of Jesus' disciples did either. Whether it be in the Gospels or in Acts, they constantly, throughout the Gospels and in Acts, they constantly encounter the evil one they often cast the demonic out of people. And it was not what the Apostle Paul did either. He was not one for understating the devil. And it's, as we've just seen in this article, it's not what we see in our world. Most of the, the, the world, the Christian population, the majority of the Christian population, recognize with a, a biblical clarity the activity of the evil one. And for the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 2.11, we are not ignorant of his schemes. And that's really the challenge for us, that we would be a people who are not ignorant of his schemes. We would also not be intimidated or scared by his schemes as well. So let me ask you this morning, are you ignorant of the devil's schemes? Or are you aware of how it is he operates and how he attacks? That word schemes that Paul uses uh, both in 2 Corinthians 2.11, but also Ephesians 6. It's actually an architectural word. It means plan, design, blueprint. So when, not if, when Satan is attacking you in some way, you need to understand that this is most likely a part of a bigger plan he has for your life. If you experience some kind of spiritual attack in one particular area, this is part of a bigger plan. And ultimately his bigger plan is your destruction so that you're either not in Christ or your life is utterly miserable and seemingly hopeless and ineffective as a Christian. He wants to completely destroy our lives so that we are not walking with Jesus 
and we are not leading others to walk with Jesus. So what does he do? What does he do? Let me share 14 ways in which Satan and his demons are actively at work in attacking your life, but also in attacking Denison Baptist Church. Number one, he actively opposes us. Zechariah 3, verses 1 to 2. The name Satan literally means opposer, adversary. Number two, he accuses us. The name devil is translated slanderer or accuser. So he is constantly making accusation against us. Sometimes we experience that in our, in our minds. We, we have a sense of accusation in our hearts and minds. And it's demonic. He tempts us, Matthew 4, verse 3. He deceives us, Revelation 12, 9. Number five, he undermines our mission, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. He silences our witness, Revelation 12, 10 to 12. He can be the source of illness occasionally, Acts 10, 38. He can lead us astray in various ways, of various kinds, Acts 5, verse 3. He can trap us. He can make us think that we are going in the right direction, but it's actually part of, of his attack. 1 Timothy 3, 6 to 7. He incites persecution, 1 Peter 5, verses 8 to 9. He stirs up division and disunity within the church, 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 11. He promotes false doctrine, 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 3. He attacks marriages, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 5. And he can destroy us, Revelation 9, verse 11. He can kill us. According to God's sovereign plan and purpose, he has the ability to do that. So Denison Baptist Church, know your enemy. Know your enemy. This is a way that he operates. This is a way that he attacks. And as he has a plan of attack, do, do we have a plan of attack for how it is we are going to fulfill God's purpose for us? And do we know what it means to stand against any and every attack of the evil one? So it brings us on to our final question this morning. Uh, do we know our identity? Do we know our identity? And our activity in life, what we do is always going to flow out of our identity. Who it is that we are or who we think we are. So as we understand who we are, we will then do based on who we think we are. So we need to understand who we are in Christ. If we're going to overcome the attacks of evil one, we need to know who we are in Christ so that we can overcome every single attack of Satan. And to help us understand this, I want us to look at three passages of Scripture which I think are so important in identifying the role we play in spiritual warfare. The first verse I want us to look at is Romans sixteen twenty. So Paul writes this, he says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now, this is a fascinating passage. What we have here is a picture of partnership. The God of peace, so God will do this. God, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under his feet. It doesn't say his feet. It says your feet. So God will do this in you, in and through you. He is going to crush Satan through you. It's a picture of partnership. Praise God that he... He has given us this opportunity to experience this kind of victory. The picture we have here this morning is a picture of God's promise that Jesus has defeated Satan on the cross. And Paul here is in fact alluding to the promise found 
in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, God says that one of Adam's descendants, Jesus himself, would crush the head of Satan both now and forever. So God promises this is going to happen. And in many ways, Paul here in Romans is echoing this promise. So if you and I are in Christ, then you and I abide in the promise of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. We will stomp on the head of Satan. Praise God for that. Jesus will strike the head of Satan both now and forever, and we will therefore strike the head of Satan in our day-to-day lives, or we have a potential to strike the head of Satan day after day. So God is at work in and through us. God is at work in and through this church, all in order that we may experience victory. And I don't know about you, but that brings great encouragement to my heart. We're not rejoicing that, that we can defeat Satan, but we are rejoicing that we get to participate in God's kingdom advance. Um, To know that I don't have to fight Satan by myself, praise God for that. My identity is in Christ. With that identity comes partnership. With that partnership always comes victory so that Satan truly is crushed under my feet, under your feet, under our feet. Praise God for that. So to go back to the earlier challenges that we all face day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, when you find yourself immersed in God's word and experiencing intimacy with God through prayer, you are in fact crushing the head of Satan. Uh, When you choose to connect with Denison Baptist Church on a Sunday midweek, despite how you might feel, you are crushing the head of Satan. Uh, when you find yourself captivated and most excited by Jesus and his presence and his kingdom more than anything else in this world, you are crushing the head of Satan. Uh, When you choose to forgive on the inside and you choose to live out that forgiveness on the outside, then you're crushing the head of Satan. When you trust God with your sickness and you believe that according to God's sovereign plan, he will work all things for the good of you who love him and who are called according to his purpose, you are crushing the head of Satan. When you move from a place of habitual sin to habitual living in Christ and for Christ, you are crushing the head of Satan. When you choose to trust God in the midst of seemingly impossible circumstances, you are crushing the head of Satan. Praise God for that. And when you actively share your faith, despite how awkward And Scottish it might feel, how uncomfortable it might be, despite how overwhelmed you might feel in that moment, you make a decision, you step out in faith, you share Jesus with someone who doesn't know Christ. You are crushing the head of Satan. And we can do all of this as God is at work in and through us, through the identity that we have in him. We don't need to work our way up to this. We already have this. As we are in Christ, we can overcome and defeat the work of the evil one, in and through our lives, we really do have full and complete authority over Satan and his demons. They have nothing on us. We don't need to be afraid. Our authority is in Christ. Christ has overcome the demonic. The God of peace really will soon crush Satan under your feet, all for the glory of his name. So I close this morning to encourage each one of us to put put on the full armour. It would be crazy of me to go through all of this and not to mention Ephesians 6 and and the description of the various parts of the armor. And to put on this armor is to crush the head of Satan. 
so that he can gain no influence and he can have no foothold over our lives. And I want to encourage you this morning that when Paul says in Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 11, he says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. My prayer for you is that you would really do that every day, that you would consciously put on the full armor of God, that you would truly understand what each, of the, what each part of the armor is and you would apply that to your life and you would live in light of these various parts that you would choose to live this life by putting on the parts and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul says in Ephesians 6, in the first part of verse 14, he says, Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. And this morning you would recognize that when Paul speaks of his belt of truth, what Paul is speaking about here is the gospel. And the gospel is the power of salvation to all who believe. So you begin your day wrapped by that truth. By the power of the gospel, you have been forgiven. You put that belt on. You have been forgiven. You are free. You are a new creation. All because of what Jesus has done on the cross. It's the first part. Paul says in Ephesians 6, the second part of verse 14, we are to stand and put on righteousness like armor in your chest. And we would recognize that God's righteousness is his goodness. And this righteousness is both imputed and imparted. So we are righteous in that we are in Christ. So God looks at us and sees Christ. But we are also righteous in that we are able to then live good and godly lives. We have the ability to be righteous and not unrighteous. So put on that armor today. Have the confidence that it is very, very possible in the power of the Holy Spirit to be good for the glory of God. Because God looks at us and sees Christ. But God has also equipped us to do good things, to say good things, to encourage and bless, and not to live in a way which, quite frankly, can be at times demonic. Verse 15, Paul says that we need to have feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. And we recognize this morning that one of the ways that we overcome the attacks of the evil one is by actively sharing the gospel. So we're not focusing on ourselves and thinking the devil's attacking me. We just forget that and we start sharing. We start sharing Jesus with those who don't know Jesus. And Satan cannot get any kind of foothold in our lives if through our lives and our words and our actions we are displaying Christ. We tell people about Jesus, we display Jesus to those who don't know him. He can't do anything about that. He is limited in his power. Verse 16, Paul says, In every situation, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So our shield of faith is our assured confidence that God is at work in our lives and he is going to help us in every area of our lives, whatever it is that we face. And then in verse 17, the first part of verse 17, Paul speaks about taking the helm of salvation. John speaks about how we can know with confidence that we are saved, that we have eternal life. And the helm of salvation is that assurance that we are saved, whom the Son sets free really is free, and he will never leave us nor forsake us. Praise God for that. So the helm of salvation, we can never, ever lose our salvation. God is with us. Second part of verse 17, Paul moves on, and he speaks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And we need Bible verses memorized in our minds. We need to take time 
to really have the word, God's word alive in our minds and in our hearts so that when we believe something that is, again, is, is of the world, of our flesh, is of Satan, we can compare that lie with the truth of God's word and we can reject that lie and replace that lie with the truth of God's word for using the sword of the spirit. So these are all the ways in which we can put on the full armor and prayer is what fuels it all. Verse 18, pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Prayer is what fuels us. The more and more we pray, the more and more we have power to overcome each and every attack of the enemy. So I would just encourage you to come along on a Tuesday or to join the Frozen Chosen on a Friday morning, seven o'clock on Zoom or in person. Be with us and pray. This is a vital way in which we can overcome the enemy's attacks. So Denison Baptist Church, we need the armor. We need every part of the armor. If one part is missing, Satan will attack with his sword in that way. We cannot pick and choose what it is we wear. If we're going to stand, we're going to overcome. Every part has to be put on every single day. Every part has to be put on every single day. This is a battle we face. God has made it clear how we can experience this victory through his word. So are you up for a fight? Just TJ. Are you up for a fight? Yes. Do you know the battle that's before you? Do you know your enemy? Do you know your identity? Most importantly, do you know the victory you have in Christ? There is no other way. There is no other way forward in a Christian life. This is the only path that God has given to us. And as a church, we need to step into this and the full assurance that we have the victory. He is going to empower us for the battle and take heart this morning as we have sang, the battle belongs to the Lord. So we're not doing this on behalf of God. God is working through us. So this morning we now move into a time of response. And this is a time for us to sing and worship, to come to the table, to take the bread and the cup. And as we have fellowship, to pray and to be prayed for. Let me just say as well, tonight as we meet together for Cami's baptism, that, that is an act of spiritual warfare. Uh, Cami, is, Cami is being defiant against the work of the evil one and in, in through his life. And he is saying, you have no influence, no authority over my life. I am in Christ. And so we are coming together tonight to celebrate that. So do join us for that. Be a part of that. This is a kingdom moment for us this morning. It is a kingdom moment for us tonight because we are looking to build one another up in Christ so that Satan can have no influence and no power in our lives. So I recognize this morning, maybe you have never given your life to Jesus and you long to receive that gift we began with this morning, that gift of salvation. Perhaps this morning you need prayer for something. Maybe you're facing something. Maybe you feel overwhelmed by something in your life. Then do speak with myself and TJ or with someone you know who loves the Lord. And we would take time. We're going to have tea and coffee, but there's space in this building to pray, to be prayed for. And as we come to this table this morning, we recognize that through the cross, we always have the victory. This is an act of remembrance, but it's also an act of rejoicing because we're celebrating the battle has been won. So the invitation is for any one of us who loves Jesus to come to the table, to take the bread, to drink the cup, 
and to say that Jesus has won. That I, I am in Christ today. I am a new creation. No more in condemnation. Here, by the grace of God, I stand. This is for anyone who loves the Lord today. And if you're still on a journey, if you're still trying to work out what it means to follow Christ, you're maybe unsure or you're maybe convinced that you, you do not follow Jesus, you do not uh, live for him day after day, then we would invite you to refrain from taking the bread and drinking the cup and instead use this as a moment, as an opportunity to observe, to pray, to listen to what God is saying. It was on the night in which he was betrayed that Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is for you. And in the same way he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we take this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. And when he returns, we will experience the fullness of Christ's victory. So I'm going to invite us to stand. Uh, in light of what we looked at this morning, I thought it would be helpful for us to close our time this morning by uh, praying the Lord's Prayer. I'm just going to pray that and you can join with me as I pray. So our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we pray that by your spirit, you would be at work now as we sing and as we respond, as we have fellowship and as we discern through your spirit what it is you have to say to us today, that we would have the confidence and the courage to build one another up so that we can fight the good fight that we are going into this week. Lord, we recognize the battle. We pray that you would empower us for that battle. And we pray that we would see your abundant grace evident in every moment of our lives this week. We again pray for Cami. We pray for tonight. We pray that it would be a powerful time. We pray that not only would Cami be baptized, but we would also see salvation in our midst, that folk would come to respond in faith to you. So we ask that you, you would be blessed, you would be glorified, and in through all of us. And it's in your precious name we pray. Amen.